0: been born and there's no way you can get back to being that little and back into a tummy. It would be um, crazy. Yes. Ready to move on to the next question.
1: Hello, and welcome to our time around scripture today. Please take your Bible and turn to John chapter 3. And um, let's have some time together in what I've affectionately begun to call church on a flat screen. Let me start by telling you there's a group that I'll never be invited to join here in the United States. The group, the General Society of Mayflower Descendants, they've developed 120,000 different lineage lines detailing the lives of some 35 million descendants of people scattered. Now, around the world, these are the children's children's children children in many generations. The children, if you will, the descendants of the people who landed in Plymouth, Massachusetts 400 years ago this year. And in order to be part of the society, your name has to appear in one of those lineage lines. Having been born in Australia uh, with a long Australian lineage, my guess is that my stock isn't found in the lines of the proud people who were aboard the Mayflower in 1620. No, the people who founded Australia were, um, a completely, they were completely different than the ones who founded uh, North America in terms of European settlers. It's a long story, but the ships arriving from England in Australia, uh, they were different than the European settlers who landed here in North America. Uh, The North Americans coming this way, if you will, were looking for religious and economic freedom. That was not the case for the Australians. No, in 1788, the prisons of England were bursting at the seams, and the answer was this. If you were found guilty of a crime, your sentence was usually transportation. Namely, we have no more room in the prison, so we're transporting you to Australia with little hope ever of returning again. Australia was founded by criminals. So while Americans, some of them might say, well, I'm a descendant of the people of Mayflower of the Mayflower, these days, Australians proudly say, well, I'm from Lowstock. My family were criminals. And these days, there's a lot of laughter about it. But it's also a proud moment when an Australian finds a lineage line all the way back to the criminal ships of 1788. Now, I'm going to explain while I'm telling you this story in just a moment, and in doing so, we'll be taking a look at the life of a man who was very proud of his heritage, his family line, his lineage. His name is Nicodemus, and he's featured in the passage of scripture that we're reviewing today in John 3. And as we read from John 3, and to help you uh, set the stage, you're going to hear from a woman with a strong, proud lineage. She's going to read the scripture for us today. Namely, Barbara Kent is joining us long distance from her uh, church's sanctuary, reminding us of the various accents and people and the lineage that is found within the body of Christ. Yep, my mother... A woman of lineage, obviously some with blood that inner veins that is significantly different than the people of, May, of the Mayflower, uh, instead, as an Australian, someone who could trace her blood back to the original ship's landing in Australia in 1788. Here's John chapter 3.
0: Our passage of scripture for this week's message is found in John chapter 3. It's the story of a man named Nicodemus. He asked Jesus questions about spirituality. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and he said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born again if they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter the second time into the mother's womb to be born? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised. At my scene, you must be born again.
1: So this story that we've just read in John chapter 3, it's an iconic story that's featured in sermons throughout much of church history. Why? Well, because it shows Jesus' response to anyone who wants to understand his ministry, his life, his death, his resurrection. And you can put it this way, his overall mission. Now, the story is about Jesus, of course, but it's also about Nicodemus and this man's desire for spiritual truth. We know some things about this man who came to chat with Jesus. Scripture tells us that he came to Jesus at nighttime. And our worship team noted that night setting. And so that's why we taped the worship settings for this weekend outside in the evening. Some commentators in the past have said this. Well, he wanted to come at a time when no one else would see him. as if there was some shame in talking to Jesus. I'm not so certain. That seems to be reading something into the text that might not be there. Um, maybe it was simply that he got off work late and he couldn't get to Jesus during the day. We don't know about that, but what we do know is that he visited Jesus in at night, and we do know that he was a man of importance. He was in, uh, he was in the legal ruling council, the legal ru- ruling group within Jewish life. He was part of the Sanhedrin of Jerusalem. There was a group of 71, you could say, 71 so-called judges, perhaps akin to, it, if we would put it in our time, a spiritual version of the Supreme Court. And this is where the lineage of the people of the Mayflower and uh, my family lineage, and um, we coming from the criminal ships in England, if you will. Uh, this is where it all ties together. See, the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem was made up of Pharisees, men who believed that their lineage and their authority went all the way back in history to Moses. Maybe you can think of it this way. You are aware that Roman Catholics believe uh, that the, pro- the Pope has papal authority, if you will, because there's, they believe they can trace each individual Pope's lineage all the way back to the Apostle Peter. And so the Pharisees of the Sanhedrin believed that they could trace all their lineage back to the people back to actually Moses' time and the people of the the nation of Israel as they left Egypt. So some Americans say, hey, I come from the stock of the Mayflower. Some Australians say, I came from the stock of the criminal ships. Then for the Pharisees in the Sanhedrin, including Nicodemus, they'd say, we can trace who we are back to Moses. And with that comes a lot of authority. Nicodemus walked and lived in authority that was hundreds of years long. It wasn't just that he had an accent that was uh, noticeable, like you heard from my mother. No, he, he was able to say, because of the group that he belonged to and his family story, he was able to say, my life has importance. And yet, it's interesting that this man of import comes to visit Jesus, a man with no position in that culture. Isn't it, it's interesting to me that the mighty comes to the lowly with questions about spirituality. Now, the, the scriptures tell us that Nicodemus must have known some aspects of Jesus' ministry. After all, he says this, um, Rabbi, we know, we, notice it's we, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God for no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. Apparently, some group, some we, some group of people had been doing some investigation, basically he's saying to Jesus, hey, Jesus, we've done some investigation. We're looking into your miracles. And what's up with that? Jesus has a very interesting response. He doesn't really answer the question. He simply says, well, you've got to be born again born again? What does that mean? Well, when Jesus asked this question, apparently Nicodemus uh, stepped back into his training as a Pharisee. See, the Pharisees were trained in rhetoric. They had learned that one way to decipher truth was to keep asking more probing questions, even if you know the answer. And they had discovered that if you ask questions, questions bring information out of somebody, and questions help initiate a conversation. And Nicodemus formed this new learning about his spirituality, and he framed it, if you will, in the, um, in the form of a question. It's sort of an absurd question. He knows that Jesus is not saying you've got to be born again. I mean, he, he, he says to Jesus, what am I supposed to go back inside my mother? How is this big body of a man going to fit inside? How am I going to be small enough for that womb? It's a rhetorical question that he already knows the answer to, and it's, he's wanting more conversation. You know, these days there are all sorts of um, board and party games that are based on absurd questions. And the the examples help prompt conversations within a party setting or gathering at somebody's home. For example, here's some absurd questions that you could ask that would start a conversation. Here's one. Breakfast cereal. Is cereal soup? Or what about this one? What sort of conspiracy? Would you like to start? How many chickens does it take to kill an elephant? Is a hot dog a sandwich? This is what Nicodemus was doing as he probed Jesus. Nicodemus wants to learn of Jesus approach to spirituality. Nicodemus is already religious, but religion alone wasn't answering the deep needs of knowing God. And I suspect That's the case for many of us today, perhaps you. You wish you could ask Jesus some probing questions followed by a new learning. You'd like to identify with Nicodemus. You'd like an experience of a deep spirituality that that connects with God. Well, I'm going to show you uh, the story of a woman from our congregation who once wondered about the same issue. Watch this with me right now. Ladies and gentlemen, it's really good to have you again here today as we visit with a a beloved member of our congregation. Mackie Spurlock has been part of our church for a long time. She and her husband, Roger, uh, who passed away some time ago now, dearly loved by many people. Mackie is in charge of our um, ministry down at Good Samaritan Inn, and I thought you'd uh, appreciate some information about her and the way in which uh, God relates to her through Jesus Christ. So Mackie, first of all, thanks for uh, spending some time with us today. You're welcome, I'm glad to do it. And tell glad. me, uh, how did you, um tell me of your conversion experience.
2: Um, it, it took some starts and stops. So at 17, uh, Billy Graham crusade on the TV, and then a Methodist revival at 17, and i knew that i had accepted christ as my savior and redeemer but for sure not lord of my life um i spent the next 17 years making lots of bargains and living with guilt and knowing i wasn't doing what i knew was right um and then uh, went to uh, a full gospel uh, fellowship convention. Some people in my life, and I believe God brings people into our life, and I I watched their walk with Christ, and it wasn't like mine. And they convinced us to go. I rededicated my life to Christ that night in February of 1978, and um, began a serious, or at least a more serious journey. Uh, anchoring down and uh, moving forward with lots of help from pastors. Um, I, I began a new journey with the Lord.
1: How has um, walking out your Christian faith impacted your life? How is it different now um, in your 20s, I say what it was like in your 20s versus what it is like now?
2: It is it is different. When I was... Um, after that conversion, we were raising children. We were we were involved in church. Roger was teaching Sunday school. I was involved in. We were doing life. We had kids. Um, we were busy with our jobs, um, and and that's d- different for me now. Uh, in that. God has brought us through highs and lows, lots of good things, lots of blessings for children, um, lots of really good things in our life. And then lots of lows with Roger's health. And now um, with uh, his death almost five years ago, I am in a different season. And um, I would have to say that it's, um, um, it's a good season but a very different season. And I am blessed and thankful for my kids and for the support I get from friends and this church and, um, and God's word. I, it, I, have, I have the blessing because I'm here in this house alone, most of the time. So my prayer closet can be anywhere. It can be wherever I want it to
1: be. Let me ask you this question. If you um, had to start a conversation with a stranger uh, how would you? What was the question that you would ask to say, okay, so I want to get to know you. What's the question you would ask?
2: I was taught as a young girl, even unchurched, to value God's creation, to look at the beauty of God's creation, to see, um, like last night, the sunset was gorgeous. And I believe I would start a conversation out with someone saying, did you see the gorgeous sunset? last night, or the gorgeous snow, or whatever the weather uh, whatever happens to be happening during that season, and then preface that with the question, I wonder if that'll be how heaven will be.
1: Mackie, thanks for being with us today and helping us see a little bit into your life and into your uh, into your work in our church and uh, the way in which you work in the community. We count it a privilege that you indeed are engaged in all of that. So God's grace and peace be with you today.
2: Thank you, my blessing. Blessings to you.
1: Welcome back. It seems to Mackie has lived, um, she's lived out a 20th and 21st century version of Nicodemus' story. Because like Mackey, Nicodemus had some religious experience but he needed to experience a born again moment. And what is that? Jesus says, No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of the water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You shouldn't be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. In other words, what he's saying is that each person, by virtue of being human, can point to a birth in their past. All of us were born once, it was a water birth. A pregnant woman's water broke, and each of us came into this world, usually kicking and screaming, and many of us have been kicking and screaming ever since. That's the first birth. Les and I have some friends who experience this in, a, um, in an unusual way. Uh, they have five children. I can't remember if this was child number three or four, but toward the end of the pregnancy, uh, Our friend, the pregnant lady, says, Honey, my water's just broken. We'd better go to the hospital. And he says, Okay, I'm going to jump in the the shower very quickly and we'll head to the hospital. Well, he was in the shower and they never did get to the hospital. As a matter of fact, they didn't even make it to the car. They didn't make it out of the bathroom before she delivered the baby as he was getting out of the shower. That's what you call a water birth. The mother was wet, the baby was wet, the father was wet. That's the first birth. The second birth, though, is not physical. To be born again is to reflect a deep change within us, a change inside that reflects God's work. It's moving from religion or non-religion to a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Friend, that longing for God within you, that's the longing that Nicodemus was experiencing. That's what you are experiencing today. He wanted more than words or a fine pedigreed lineage, if you will. Can you create that born again experience? Can you manufacture it? Not at all. It is truly a work of God. It is God working in you if you surrender. You've got to give up and say, God, you are in charge. And that's why Jesus came. You've probably heard that he came to forgive sins and that's very true. He came to forgive sins, but the sin issue was not Jesus' biggest mission. I'll Be careful where I go about that. Forgiving sin was the vehicle that Jesus uses to bring you into a relationship with God. The primary responsibility, the primary mission, the primary reason that Jesus said, I'll go to earth, as God in the flesh was to bring human beings into a relationship with God through the forgiveness of sins. Now what's interesting is we don't know if Nicodemus responded to Jesus on the night that he visited and they chatted together and Nicodemus asked this probing question. We don't know if that occurred then, but we do know what happened in the rest of his story. See, some months later, Jesus was in Jerusalem and the Sanhedrin was in session. You know, we said the ancient Jewish um, understanding of um, the Supreme Court to some extent. And there were worries about Jesus' ministry. They had begun doing some investigations and he was creating a stir in the city and The leaders wanted him arrested, but Nicodemus says, hey guys, let's not be so quick about this. Let's rethink this. We don't want to create more trouble. In other words, he came to Jesus' defense. And then months later, again, Nicodemus is recorded as doing something rather spectacular after Jesus' death. It was Nicodemus who helped prepare the dead body for burial. Apparently, the relationship dream that begins in John chapter 3, by the time Jesus died on the cross, that relationship dream had become a reality. Nicodemus was born again. You've heard that saying in the past, you must be born again. How, how are you going to manage that this week? What will you do with this information? In other words, What's your livid action for this week? Well, can I give you two? First of all, if, if you could be like Nicodemus and you want to start with a, the conversation with Jesus with a crazy, absurd question, what would it be? Maybe I would suggest that you could uh, put that on the church's social media. And uh, let's see what we can answer together. But then secondly, something that's far more important, and that is I'd like you to answer this question. Have you stepped into a lifelong relationship with Jesus just like Nicodemus experienced? If not, you can choose to do that today. We'd like to have a conversation with you about that. Here's how you can do that. If you text the word JESUS, J-E-S-U-S, to the church's main phone number, 217-875-3350, or call the church, whatever you'd like to do. Let's get a conversation started between you and the people of our congregation That will lead you to an experience of being born again. Lead you to an experience of taking the questions you have for Jesus. Just like Nicodemus has this question. What do you mean I got to be born again? Take the questions into a relationship and a conversation with Jesus Christ. Our Savior, our Lord, our forgiver. The one who leads us each and every day. Would you pray with me about that right now? Let's pray. Father, I pray for my friends. There are moments, God, when we'd like to have a conversation with you. There, there are some probing questions that we'd like to uh, step into, just like Nicodemus did with Jesus. I'm thankful, Lord, that all of us can come to you regardless of our lineage. Oh, sure, Nicodemus had this proud, strong, authoritative image and lineage that he could say with the rest of the Sanhedrin goes all the way back to Moses. But then this mighty man comes to the lowly Jesus and says, how do I get to know God? It points points us to this understanding, God, that it's not where we come from, but it's how we end up in a relationship with you that's so important. I pray, God, that each and every person who's participating in worship today would come to the place where an experience with you, a born-again experience with you, an experience of the Spirit of God, may that take place in each and every person's life, I pray. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for being with me today. God bless you. And by all means, let's have that conversation. Text the word JESUS to 217-875-3350 and we'll see what God wants to do in your life. Have a great day.